So the Roadster is going to be able to fly Kim. The Cybertruck is resting, at least that's what the media says. <laughs> and what's going on with all the OEMs calling off their EVs? Let's get into it. So I want to start out with something that we have been waiting for longer than you guys have waited for the Cybertruck. Roadster 2.0. It is finally here. The well, it's official... not here. <laughs> not here yet. It's being talked about. For a lot of people actually thought that it was kind of done for, right? They, they said Cybertruck came, Model 2 is coming, Optimus. So they said that this wasn't going to be a thing anymore. It was low volume, not really within Tesla's mission. Well, I think they're wrong. Elon Musk just went, went out on record and said that the final designs here are going to be unveiled at the end of this year. And it's mind-blowing what you're about to see. They're going to collab with SpaceX. Zero to 60 is what? Less than one second. Less than one second. <laughs> like, I don't even know if that's possible. I think about it because we just did a video with the Pininfarina Batista. A big part of that was like the tires and the logistics of making that go so fast. They can, can tune it to go faster and even quicker than it goes. The problem is if they tuned it any faster, you might peel the tire off when you accelerate. Yeah, because I mean, the grip of it is the issue, right? Because the performance is there. And as these tires are rotating this rapidly, it's not able to stick to the ground or propel you forward. But that's where the catch is here because Elon Musk says that this is really not going to be considered a car and he's hinted at this levitating and, and using other Back to the Future references of being able to get it off the ground, use cold air thrusters to lunge forward. And this looks like it's going to be the SpaceX package. Yeah, he said, can you even call it a car anymore? Not if it's not on the ground anymore. I wonder if you're going to have to have like a special license for it. I'd imagine this wouldn't be this feature that gets you through these metrics would not be street legal. Track or private setting, then it's possibly going to be activated. So It's kind of crazy to think about. And I was thinking about... Um, the EV toll, which yeah. is the uh, electric car that's also like a helicopter that takes off is like yeah. the Roadster going to be like a rocket, like a full rocket yeah. with a car. And for those that don't know, I should probably say what EV toll stands for. It's electric vehicle landing and takeoff. And I was able to see this at CES this year. Um, obviously, I didn't see it take off because I <laughs> would have to have gone to China. But um it's just like a lot of exciting stuff happening right now. So Roadster 2.0 kind of like reminds me of that in a way because if it is connected to SpaceX, what's going to be happening? We have two of them in our cart. I don't know if I can call it my cart. But <laughs> account, yeah. In my account, I'm like shopping, add to cart. <laughs> we have two of them and they were actually referral prices. So I have to thank all of you guys out there because it's kind of insane and amazing. We will have to pay taxes on them, which we're trying to figure out if we need to sell one to pay taxes, if we're going to make that work. Do you, Do you think... remember what the tax number was on just getting I... that one for free? What was it? I believe it, it was $91,000 for your free delivery. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, selling one to acquire another is probably going to be yeah. the best bet. Or if you guys want to sign up for Patreon... <laughs> it will go towards these and we'll definitely make content on them. So the car is expected to deliver at some point next year after we get the unveiling at the end of this year, probably around say November-ish. So expect to be back in California possibly for that, maybe in Texas. If we get an invite, hopefully we will. Yes. If you're watching this and you work at Tesla. <laughs> Quarter million dollars is what it was projected to be for the SpaceX package. I highly doubt it's going to stay at that price because we're talking 2017 prices. Of course, we talked about Cybertruck's 2019 prices and see how they turned out. 
So maybe my $91,000 in taxes is going to be much higher if if it's a far more expensive vehicle. So moving on, I do want to talk about some of the big headlines this week. And one of them is the rust on the Cybertruck because I feel like media has taken this and run with it. It's like something negative to say <laughs> about Tesla and the Cybertruck. So we're just going to like every headline will be rust on the Cybertruck. I mean, you said it perfectly. You hit the, the nail on the rust. So, I mean, it's <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. All right. I was about to cut that part out. All right. Um, no, it's basically yeah. what is going on, right? Like, yeah. so this happens all the time with Tesla specifically. I mean, obviously other things, but Tesla's known for media just holding on to like a little headline, yeah. rolling with it. So we're seeing that going on with the rest. Now there was a great video and it was put out by Justin over at Bearded Tesla where he kind of debunked it and talked about it more, about it being more like rail dust or little pieces of iron that are settling on the Cybertruck and then causing that oxidation that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And even one of the engineers at Tesla commented on X saying that that was great debunking. Yeah, I want to read an actual tweet because it makes sense when you look at it. He said stainless steel is reactive and free iron that sits on it will rust and it's surface contamination. You saw that firsthand, right? When you're out there on the farm yes. in Florida, this was something that in transit coming in from Texas over to Florida, the rust uh, formed on top of the stainless steel, which is a thing. Yeah. And that can easily be cleaned off. We used Barkeeper's Friend. You can use a Citrus Surf 77, kind of loosen the deposit and wipe it off. So again, on the surface, not inside the actual metal in a permanent feature. But I did want to talk to an actual owner of someone that doesn't own the Cybertruck, but owned the DeLorean. So our friend Ryan McCaffrey over, he does the Ride the Lightning podcast. We've had him on here. He owned a DeLorean, which is also a stainless steel vehicle. So I thought it'd be really interesting to call him up here in a second from that perspective of owning a vehicle. Let us know in the comments below if you guys still have questions about this. Again, it's like the little pieces that do sit on it. And I think about this because we have stainless steel dishwasher, stainless steel fridge, all that kind of stuff. Our dishwasher has some rust on it. And I felt like it did start with like a couple little spots and we didn't take care of them. We just kind of like, you know, got busy. We have three kids. We're doing this, these videos and now it's pretty bad. All right, so we have Ryan here. Ryan, I know you talked about this a little bit on your podcast, Ride the Lightning, but I wanted to talk to you because you've owned a DeLorean and that is also stainless steel. So is this something that the DeLorean had to deal with? You know, it's it's interesting. I never saw this occur with a DeLorean and I, I don't have a for sure scientific explanation for why, but, my my best guess is that the Delor because this is this seems to be happening to the front of Cybertrucks right as they're as they're cutting through the air as they're driving down the road they get these little deposits on the on the surface on the front of the truck and so that if you look at a picture of the DeLorean the front of it there's no stainless steel on the front it's actually a pretty traditional I wonder if that's if that I've never seen this or heard of this with a DeLorean because there's no stainless up front so these little deposits are just hitting black, you know, plastic and, and painted surface the way that they do on literally every single other car. It's just a non-issue. It'll just, this these deposits, it's not serious rust. It just, it comes right off. Now, was there any kind of special prep or anything that you had to do differently with the DeLorean, taking care of it or prepping 
stainless steel? No, it's the opposite. There's you just you just don't have to worry about a thing with that car. It is just soap and water. Now with the DeLorean, the, that has a brushed finish, so there's a there's a directional grain to it. So you want to it's it's best to to wash sort of with the grain just in case you were to introduce you know, if you had any grit on your your mitt, your washing mitt, paint damage in the sun cuz there's no paint. You don't have to worry about you know, bird droppings or tree sap hit on the stainless, it'll all come off. You know, it's, it is, it's stainless steel, not no stain steel, but it's, it's really just not a thing that you have to worry about. It's uh, that's, and that's why I can't wait to have my Cybertruck because it's, my Cybertruck's going to live outside. So it's going to be out on the street and it's going to be subject to the elements, but it's the one car on earth that, that I can leave outside and not, have my like OCD, keep my car clean all the time, brain go crazy on me. It'll be fine. It'll it'll get dirty. It'll get wet. But you can just wipe it down, and it'll and in twenty years from now, it'll look as good the day as the day that you took delivery of it. We're kind of still waiting to hear from Tesla on the best way to to actually get a scratch out while maintaining the uniform look of the stainless finish. And when I had last interviewed Franz von Holzhausen, which was, gosh, a year ago already, that time flies, I asked him that, that was a direct question. I said, what, what are we doing about this? And he said that they, they have a method for that, that you could do at home. So hopefully we'll hear a bit more about stainless car care, yeah. stainless truck care from, from Franz and the team at Tesla before too long. Does this make you want to put some kind of clear wrap on it? Not in the slightest. Uh, in my humble opinion, I think I said this on your show already. I, I think a, a, a clear wrap, like if you're going to go with a color change, okay, great. By all means, you're changing the look of the truck, customizing it to what you want. But in my very humble opinion, a clear wrap on a Cybertruck is a $5,000 solution to a $5 problem by the Windex Spray, spray it on the truck, wipe the fingerprints off, uh, and and you're done. So, I mean, I to each their own, certainly. But no, I will I will not be wrapping my Cybertruck. I will be maintaining the original naked finish on my Cybertruck. Basically, like what we've said all along, it's really media taking the headline of rusted Cybertruck. It makes a you know it gets a lot of eyes on it, uh, but really a non-issue. Exactly right. A non-issue. All right. Well, thank you so much for your expertise. We'll talk to you soon. Always great to see you both. So moving on, but I still want to talk about Cybertruck because there's still some other things going on. And one of those is they've added two new wrap colors to the lineup that you can actually get done at Tesla with their wrap. And one is the Abyss Blue, which I know you're a fan of. And then there's also a rose gold being added. Yes. But these are a little bit different than just like the vinyl wraps that a lot of people get. We've shown those. I actually have a DIY wrap video that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and these are more of like a PPF color change wrap. They are. They're twice as thick as your normal vinyl, so they're far more effective as far as protecting your vehicle, where a vinyl color change historically is very thin and doesn't really do much in the way of protection. And they're six grand, which again is in line with most wrap pricing, but yeah, twice, it gets expensive. Twice the price, twice the quality. <laughs> it's twice the price, but no. it, it's, it is pretty expensive. It's expensive, but it's actually cheaper than when we did do the vinyl and the PPF. Yes. It's cheaper than doing both of those, I yes. will say. Um, and again, 
the vinyl does, I think, add some protection against rust, mm -hmm. at least. So if you're worried about the rust, just doing that basic vinyl wrap would potentially help with that. I'm just noticing too, the blue is actually $6,500. It is slightly more expensive for the Abyss Blue versus the Rose Gold. Why would that be? Why would the blue be more expensive? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of odd. I mean, looking at the, their notes here on their site, it says the differentiation is in pricing reflects the unique appeal and quality of the new wrap colors. So maybe it's slightly more premium, but I think I think it's just a little bit of a wider margin here for them. So is it maybe like there's more demand, like it's more of a supply and demand thing? Possibly, or maybe it's yeah. like when you're picking out, there's always like the free color with typical cars. When you go to buy them, it's like the white was free and then the black is free. So they're trying to do that with the red. Well, Tesla had the, uh, the red color be slightly more expensive than other colors. For example, I think blue at some point was $1,000 on the SRX and then the red was the multi-coat and it was like So they like the blue more. They think that's going to be the most popular. <laughs> so they're going to like up the price on that one and try yeah. to like balance it out. Oh, yeah. So it's very interesting. But like I will say that aftermarket companies are having a heyday with Cybertruck because there's so many different options that you can do when it comes to wraps um you know not limited to just six different colors like yeah. there's like a whole deck of different colors you can do especially if you're just looking at vinyl and i've talked about this before because jeans started out as just like you wanted this nice dark denim jean and now everyone buys distressed jeans with holes in them so is the cyber truck like having rust is it going to be that is it going to be like cool to actually have rust on the Cybertruck. I mean, you sort of called this when it came to Cybertruck unveiling back in 2019. I remember we filmed in the hotel that night after the event, our voiceovers, and I edited that video, got it out there, and you talked about celebrities embracing this and coming out and how Arnold initially took the, the Hummer H1 and made it from being a military vehicle to being really kind of a cool vehicle out in California in the mid 90s. I mean, I call, obviously I call a lot of things because I'm <laughs> calling the rust trend being cool and the celebrities. Yeah. I, th I think that when you take a vehicle like this that is kind of radical, different, unique, it opens up the doors for a lot of different things. A lot of people love that. So yeah. I can see people honing, owning, what's the right word there? Yeah. Honing, owning, I honing. don't know, maybe a little both, <laughs> the rust. And, you know, wanting that to be like this almost like patinaed looking, you know, aged Cybertruck maybe. We'll see what happens five years from now. Yeah. And then also all the celebrities now. And I'm super jealous of them because something tells me that they were not on their phones during <laughs> the delivery so? event four years ago, hitting order, having it freeze on them, ordering like no, or accidentally. I sworn we had Kim Kardashian right behind us oh, yeah. and Pharrell was right next to me. I know. I told you these things were parties. <laughs> Justin Bieber was out in front of us. We're kidding, obviously. <laughs> yeah. None of them were there. Yeah. But um but they're all in Cybertrucks right or now. Or they all had enough referral credits because <laughs> they're making YouTube videos on the side oh, sure. about Tesla. Their and orders the got pushed goes, up the line. It's incredible yeah, how many who is of everybody them? now? Who so, we? Serena Williams is there. Obviously the Reddit founder, Jay-Z and Beyonce, Kim Kardashian, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and NBA star Shea Gilgis Alexander also pulling up to the game with a Cybertruck. So Is that the one you're most excited about? <laughs> that's definitely one that's... Who are you excited. most excited about seeing? And it, maybe this is just part of Tesla's new marketing that they're doing. So that's what I want to bring up. A lot of people have said this is Tesla's marketing. And obviously these people have influence and have money, so they're able to get up higher in line without needing any of those things like waiting in line and referrals. But 
people even on the Justin Bieber pictures just kind of went public with with his uh, wife. What's her name? Haley. Yeah. Uh, and you know, people are saying there's a sticker there on the windshield and this is Tesla's way of marketing. And, and I think we noted there that the sticker itself is actually something you find a lot of new cars being delivered. And if you look carefully at that photo, look at the wheels, it doesn't even have the lug nut covers and the aero cap covers. So we know the, the aero covers were removed, but then there's lug nut covers you can put on them to make them look clean. This is not Tesla trying to market. Sure, Bieber driving it is Tesla's marketing, but it's not like Tesla went out of their way to clean this up and so make it. You don't it... think they're like getting paid to drive the Cybertruck? I truck personally around. don't, but there is a big rumor, you know, spinning around there that you know Kim Kardashian charges a million dollars for Instagram posts, and she's already posted twice, and maybe Tesla's marketing it this way. But if they are, then why are some of these vehicles kind of sloppy and have and stickers in the past, on them? And they've missing... been very like you everybody pays for their tesla no matter yes. what even with celebrities and it's actually turned a lot of celebrities off because they don't get like that free like special i don't yeah. know celebrity that's always been the case from what we know internally when it comes to mm -hmm. tesla and the people that we we are close to mm -hmm. that tesla doesn't necessarily you know go and pay you to do this kind of stuff doesn't it is kind of cool to see it become mainstream um at first i was kind of annoyed because i'm like how are they getting this before I am? But then at the same time, like, I'm like, you know what? Think about the big picture of it all. Yeah. And like, a, yeah, Instagram post by Kim Kardashian, that's going to reach so many more people than I will on this podcast, unless you guys all go share it with your <laughs> friends, which, you know, obviously you're all doing. Um, but, you know, if you think about it in the big picture that we're all like here for with Tesla, I think it's a good thing. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below, as always. So this next study is so interesting and I really like it because I get sent little videos and articles all the time about electric vehicles and how they're not actually environmentally friendly because of like the mining with the lithium and all, all the stuff that goes into batteries. Um, but now there's this new study that's come yeah. out and I'm going to let you take it away because it's kind of your expertise <laughs> area. Yeah, it's an environmental group called Lead the Charge and they kind of analyze the supply chain of companies, car companies specifically, to see how environmentally friendly they are. And Tesla was actually ninth place up until this past year. They leapfrogged from ninth to third place because of the improvements they've made. They said, quote, Tesla was the big improver of the year last year. And as you can see, Ford is number one, Mercedes is number two. Tesla comes all the way in the right behind them to number three and basically increases their leaderboard performance, according to this group, by 21 percentage points. This even takes into account the elimination of emissions within their supply chain, their human rights violations within that chain, and also environmental harm during the production of their vehicles. So all of those things that, you know, we all get sent if we're into EVs, which I'm assuming if you're watching this podcast, you are, get sent all the time. It's like they're improving with all this stuff with their battery technology. So take a look at this. Actually, we should link it down below because this is what you should send to those people <laughs> that, you know, as a response. It's like all laid out right there. So when I was looking at all these different studies that have come out, there's also another one that says that the Model 3 was the most searched for vehicle in the last six months. Here in the US. Here in the US. Yeah. And I found this really interesting because the Model Y is the best selling vehicle. So I would have thought it would have been the Model Y, but it was actually the Model 3. Yeah, and the study goes back actually from last August to this January. And of course the 3 wasn't even available in the US until 
late January into February. The refresh Model 3. Refresh, exactly. But the study looked at 340 different EVs, hybrids, gas cars, and found the Model 3 at the very top on the search list on Google with 3.8 million searches in that time span of about six or so months. And in the UK, Nissan actually topped the list for searches when it comes to the same category of cars. And it was the Nissan Qashqai, Qashqai? It's not available here in the US. I'm not familiar with that Nissan variant, but that was number one. It had 800,000 searches in the past six months. The Kia Sportage was second place with about 760,000 searches, but Model 3 ran away in the US. And I think I just, on so many different levels, and it makes me think about kind of the psychology behind buyers. And I think the Model 3 currently being the least expensive Tesla that you can buy is probably a big reason why people are searching for that because they're trying to find something affordable to go electric. And at the same time, we have all these headlines recently about how electric is over, you know, (laughs) the heyday is done. We see all these car companies canceling their electric cars. The trend Uh, is incredible. Have you seen the tone just change so much to being a negative perception mm-hmm. towards EV adoption in the past six or 10 months. I feel, I feel like it's like the last two or three months. It's really gone crazy with yeah. this. And we talked about this a little bit with the Cybertruck Rust stuff. Like the media wants to hold on to anything negative to kind of get those headlines. And the problem with that is people just read the headlines and they don't actually read the article. And even if the article itself kind of clarifies that headline, they just, people will read that headline and they'll be like, oh, you know, electric, electrification is over. Like yeah. it's done with, I would never buy one. And they don't, they don't actually read what's going on with that. Yeah. One of these titles was how EVs became a massive disappointment. It just kind of published recently on a major outlet. And then you see the response in the comment section, just like you said, saw this on the wall. This was going to, this was never yeah. going to work. It makes sense. And then of course, then the next headline comes in with Apple dropping its EV project as well. And then it really fuels this fire of people being negative. But then when you read the articles, they're actually saying that U.S. saw its first time where EVs exceeded 1 million units sold last Mm -hmm. year. It grew a significant percent. I think it was 40% from this time last year at the same quarter. So the, the growth is tremendous in the U.S. for certain EVs and namely one being Tesla. And then I think Kia and Hyundai come in uh, a close second or or, or distant, I should say, second. And then everyone else is far, far behind that. And I think what is going on with this, what we're seeing is sort of like in the beginning of electric cars, there was this huge arc. And now maybe it's slowing down a little bit, but not, it's still it's still increasing. Like we're still seeing more, more people buy it, but it's like you had those initial early adopters that come in. We're super excited. We start YouTube channels. We tell all of our friends, we buy electric cars. And then now it's like, it's going broader. It's getting out to the mainstream. It's kind of like when you post a YouTube video, honestly, you get <laughs> all of your thinking. views in the first couple of days. And then after that, they just kind of trickle in. Right. And that is sort of what is happening with electric cars right now it's like it's still growing it's still getting better but um and there's people are still adopting to them but it's not like as high of a uh it's not a curve what's the word arc or yeah i don't know but um (laughs) it's still increasing there are several reasons for this that are going on the interest rates have gone up that's making it a little tougher for a lot of people to be able to afford them Uh, affordability is still an issue for a lot of people even when you're talking you know, mid thirties price point or even below that with mm-hmm. some tax incentives. That's still pretty expensive for most people. And then even the likes of Ford and GM, they have scaled back because maybe they're not seeing their EVs take off 
But could could Model Y be the reason for some of I this? I think I definitely think maybe Tesla did a little too well with the Model Y and they've been able to lower the prices on the Model Y and then anytime anyone looks at an electric vehicle and I'm I'm guilty of this myself I'm like why would you not buy a Model Y it's the best price best range like if you're just looking at the metrics it beats every vehicle out there you know get these amazing prices out there for the Model 3 and the Model Y it makes it really hard for a lot a lot of other manufacturers yeah we were talking to someone who was saying you know when when you look at some of the likes there of, of GE and um they said GE GM <laughs> GE GM. Anywhere he said GE, just put GM in there. We're, we're tired. We have three kids. Yeah, GM, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, you know, all these car makers that have kind of dabbled into the EV space, they're realizing that not only are their profit margins significantly lower than their gas-powered versions of these cars on their lot, um, it's also harder to move them. There's education involved in them as well. So the time and effort is just not worth it. And then Tesla just keeps, you know, shrinking mm -hmm. the prices and, and pushing sales out a lot easier. Uh, so it's it's almost like, do you want to die now or do you want to try to do what you're good at and maybe die later? That's kind yeah, of the approach that's interesting. that you're seeing. That. It's not like they're canceling all of their EVs. Like yeah. they're still going to be making EVs, but they're not going to be 100% electric by like 2030, which is what a lot of them initially were like, we're going all electric, we're going all in. But now they're seeing that there are still plenty of people that maybe still need an ICE vehicle. So they're just kind of scaling back. And I think that's the truth here. And again, we live in this bubble. So we're all into our electric cars. But there are a lot of people that do not buy new cars, right? Like mm -hmm. growing up, I never had new cars. I always bought used cars. And there are a lot of people that live in an apartment, not a house. And they need access to the charging infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And maybe the charging infrastructure is not um, there. Like as if you're looking at the U.S. as a whole you need to have a really good charging infrastructure in order for those people to be able to have an EV. Yeah. And, you know, we're making big changes. Obviously, all the big cars now have switched over. Everyone's going to be doing NACS, which I think is positive because that makes it so much easier not to have to worry about that, the education part of it. We also have this joint venture now by a lot of the big ones. We have BMW, we have Honda, Kia, Hyundai, um, Stellantis, and they're going to be installing 30,000 chargers in the U.S. and Canada. So that, again, is all going in the right direction. But, you know, maybe we won't be there by 2030. Yeah. How much do you think the current administration has to do with the, the mass is kind of being turned off from EVs because it seems like under the previous administration, it was almost being embraced maybe a little bit more, even though the administration itself wasn't embracing it. Well, we know the Biden administration and Elon Musk are not like fans of each other. <laughs> really Biden, like, I mean, I don't want to get political, but we know that, you know, that's not necessarily helping things, but it's also incredibly confusing for people that are wondering if they get a tax incentive and you know what parts of the vehicle are they all built in the US in order to get a tax incentive you have to have everything like all the batteries all the different parts produced in the US well that's what reduces these sales right that's another hurdle that these OEMs that are not Tesla are now having to deal with because a lot of their parts unlike Tesla are still coming in from neighboring countries or other countries so they're not able to get that tax credit. So it's it's a losing battle 
again, yeah. with the current guidance that gives credits to some makers and not others. Actually, like that's a big reason too why BYD does not have plans to even come to America, build your dreams. It's, you know, I think it beat Tesla this last year as the number one vehicle being sold worldwide, but yeah, no plans to come to the US right now. The CEO said it's an interesting market, but very complicated. If you're talking about EVs, I think the US market is a little slower on electrification. There's lots of confusion around it also very complicated. So we don't have plans to come to the US. So yeah, scared to get into the hot waters here in the US with the EVs. Yeah, exactly. But you know, not everybody is struggling the way some of the OEMs are. I feel like you know, Hyundai and Kia have really done really well. Like yeah. their vehicles are doing awesome. Um, I know that Hyundai has plans for a new factory here in Georgia, yeah. which I'm excited about because I live in Georgia. Hyundai and Kia are definitely stepping up their game. They're succeeding in the EV space, unlike the other ones that are not Tesla. And then they're, they were recently spotted actually testing a Lucid Air, which a lot of people are like, What's Hyundai doing with Lucid? Turns out, according to some document leaks, they are working on a high-end EV as well. So that's that's really interesting that they're going in for that upper mm -hmm. segment. But and they do Genesis, right? So yes. they already had the Genesis, which is a pretty high-end, but like to go to Lucid's level. Yeah. yeah, and Genesis actually outsold Lucid, which you were telling me this morning, which I was surprised last year to uh, that to see those numbers come out that Genesis did better. But I mean, Lucid is very high-end. Yeah, Lucid is a lot more expensive, so I think that sort of they makes sense. They dropped prices though recently, so <laughs> they dropped prices, but still, you yeah. know, if we're thinking about the affordability factor, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the automobile sector in terms of electrification in the next ten years, and I think a lot of these, not a lot of these, but some of these OEMs are going to go bankrupt. We're not mm -hmm. going to have them around anymore, and personally, I think not focusing on electrifying their fleet is really going to hurt them in the long run. In the short term, mm -hmm. it might help them. But in the long run, I also think Rivian has done a great job. And I know Elon recently said that he <laughs> thought Rivian and Lucid are going to go out of business. But I don't think so with Rivian. They're like, I'm going next week to LA for the R2 event. No podcast next week because I'll be covering the R2 event. Um, and I think that is going to be their game changer. That's going to be their Model Y moment. So I'm super excited for that. And also in the comments, let me know like what you guys want to see with the R2. What would make you want to buy the R2 over, say, a Model Y? And Ford is not completely moving away, of course, from their EV plans. They, they are scaling back. But then you see what Jim Farley says. He says there's been a seismic shift or a seismic change in the EV space, Tesla having a lot to do with it, with lowering its prices, making things a lot more challenging for other automakers. And what they've done now, it looks like a patent is in place for 800 volt architecture for Ford's EVs, for their next gen EV coming out, that'll allow it to charge faster at Tesla's superchargers. So it, it is really interesting to see that, you know, they, they're definitely still, you know, in the game yeah. and in it for the long haul, but a different approach than I was think the lightning said didn't do quite as well as they had hoped it would do. We obviously, there's some competition with that with Rivian and Tesla Cybertruck and kind of in that field. So now they're trying a different tactic maybe. Yeah, and they were the first to go NACS, weren't they? Out of all the yeah. OEMs, I believe they were. Yeah. And so everyone else kind of followed 
suit. And I think they're also one of the first to say, hey, we're not going to be 100% electric by 2030. Yeah. Everyone just kind of copies them. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see where that goes. Now, Apple has completely canned their electric vehicle. We briefly touched on this, but Apple is canceling its Project Titan, which is their upcoming EV that was kind of long discussed here. Yeah, I hear they're canceling it because it requires Windows. <laughs> You've waited all day for that one. I have. I have. <laughs> I, I didn't make that one up, but okay. I, I thought it was good. But yeah, last month, actually, Kim, they had talked about 2028. They're going to produce an EV. That was the deadline and it was gonna have limited driverless features. And that was quite a bit of a step back from what they had initially said was gonna be the most advanced vehicle on the market. So they were slowly backtracking on what they thought they were gonna bring to market. Now it looks like it's officially completely done and no EV from Apple, at least just yet. Do you think that this is because they like to be the top in their space and they just don't think they can compete with Tesla? Well, that is what a Tesla fangirl would think. <laughs> Give me a hard time. Uh, no, but I mean, that's that could be an option. That could be a, a viable reason. But I think they obviously didn't see a path to making this a successful project long term. Obviously, putting cars on the road and making them sell and making them successful is extremely challenging, even for people who have automotive experience. So maybe that was part yeah. of it. But they were very focused in on the autonomous driving yeah. part of it. And so maybe they thought this is gonna cost us too much, we're not gonna be able to do this and make it affordable and then be able to sell this and have a profit. So yeah. let's just like hone in on, you know, our other projects. Yeah, do you remember, it was what, five, six years ago, a very desperate time for Tesla and Elon Musk apparently had a meeting with Tim Cook. I mean, this yeah. is the time where bankruptcy was like, yeah, know, a few weeks out um, and they looked at getting Apple possibly to invest, buy, and yeah. know, come into this So it was Tesla. maybe Project Titan was just like an ego thing. Maybe. Maybe they're yeah. like, hey, you didn't let us buy your car company, so now yeah. we're going to do our own car and make it better. And then now, you know, a few years later, they're like, wow, this is harder than we thought it was going yeah. to be. I mean, Apple's got that rich history of innovation, technological breakthroughs, so they've been able to to come up with cool tech for a long time. And they kind of had this lull until recently with the Vision Pro. Mm -hmm. They got more hype out of that. But... The car stuff seemed like maybe it was too much for them to try to tackle at this point. Yeah, but I'm curious what you guys think about this. Are you disappointed not to have this Apple, you know, vehicle? Like, I mean, the renderings and the, everything looked really cool. It looked like it could be a contender and we all love Apple. A lot of yeah, us I mean, are very are fan, loyal. Fan renderings. But yeah, I think it would have been cool to see what Apple could possibly bring to market and the features and the range and, and everything else, the, you know, not chargers being packed into the car, but I guess Tesla doesn't give you chargers anymore either. I mean, Tesla does the same thing with the chargers, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, I like following along and, you know, we'll see what the future brings. Maybe later they decide, oh, actually, let's let's go back with that or let's do a joint venture. Or, mm -hmm. You know, there's the, the Sony vehicle that's yes. kind of been like a... Yeah, so that's been like a collab, but it hasn't actually come. I feel like every year I go to the car shows and I see that there. But Honda, it was Honda, right, that joined Sony with Afila? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that gives it a little bit of credence, a little bit of possibility of having a chance to come to market. Whereas if Tesla and Apple had have collaborated a few years back, then maybe Apple would be in a different place. But I know, but maybe they still could, is what I'm saying. Okay. It's like that could still be something like that in the future happening, which I'd be down for. So... 
Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us on this podcast. If there is anything else you'd like us to dive deeper into, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to read these comments. We love to, you know, get ideas for future videos. And if you guys have cool stories that you think could make a great episode, reach out to us, email us. You never know what will happen. And I really especially want to thank our Patreons. And those are Joshua Levitsky, Stephen Leopold, David Clark, Casey Wood, Kenneth W. Ponder, Andreas W., Walter Clark, John Garcia, Pedro L. Rosado, and Brian Stewart. And our highest tiered members, those are Coral and John Irwin, and also Hartmud Schmidt. And thank you again to all of our Patreon members. If you guys are interested in having your name read aloud at the end of our videos, head on over to our Patreon, where you also get access to some exclusive footage, lives, one-on-ones with both of us. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for watching.